Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to pay tribute to this thing called the internet. Now, they would have you believe that Al Gore invented the internet. Uh, you mm. you but we know better. Mm-hmm. I said, did you hear me? What you said? We know better. Mm-hmm. We sure do. We are here to remember the real internet. Oh, Beyonce's internet. The internet we all knew and loved and now mostly hate. Before the Snapgrams and Insta Chats, we had Yahoo chat rooms and instant messengers. Yes, we did. Before we could put all of our feelings in a Twitter thread, we had to put them in sad blogs like Zanga and LiveJournal. Y'all know nothing about it. And before streaming, we had to download our music. On peer-to-peer networks like Napster. Tell them about the networks. They don't know nothing about the networks. Not a thing. It took three days to download one album. Yes, God. But it was free. Glow. Amen. Amen. That is the internet that we knew. And that is the internet that we shall dearly miss. As the Bible says, he Mm. who doubt shall follow Mm. into the gates of the kingdom of the Lord shall look around and be like, hmm, I made it. And Beyonce's name? Yay man. Yay man. Beyonce? You look like Luther Van Dross. Oh, but make it fashion. But you ain't heard that from me. Fierce. Can't Can't stop. You see, when you do <laughs> clownery, the clown comes back I to bite. I ain't no sleep because of y'all. It's Britney, bitch. Y'all not gonna get no sleep because of me. Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue. A weekly podcast that revisits formative things, people, and moments that we miss and that changed us. This week, what happened to the internet, y'all? What happened? Men happened to the internet, probably. (laughs) White ones in particular. Imagine, if you will, sitting down to your morning coffee, turning on your home computer to read the day's newspaper. Well, it's not as far-fetched as it may seem. It spans the globe like a superhighway. It is called internet. Allison, can you explain what internet is? Internet is a growing grid of independent computer networks interlaced. It's evolved from a U.S. military bulletin board in the 1970s to a worldwide computer switchboard. Each week, we'll go back into the past and revisit unforgettable moments we all think we remember. And learn what they can teach us about where we are now. I'm Tracy Clayton, and my screen name is Honey Molasses 2004. And I'm Josh Quinn, and my screen name is Shaka Tom 2000. (laughs) So, Joshua. So, Trace. When you go outside today or tomorrow and you see people in this post-damdemic world, does it feel weird? Does it feel like something's different or missing? What do you mean? We're about to be out and social again for the first time in well over a year, and there's not like the barrier or the protection maybe of a webcam or like a social network, and it feels good and refreshing, but it's also like, I'm terrified, how do I do this? 
Like, can I turn my camera off right now? Right, exactly. Where's the mute button? (laughs) (laughs) That exactly. I think that there's this sense that we live online has only really gotten bigger in the past year, right? Mm-hmm. We're always on fucking line. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, we were able to compartmentalize it, mm-hmm. where it's like, here's IRL, here's the internet. But right. now, even more than ever, I really feel like that divide is breaking down. I think it's broken down. I think it's yeah. blurry, it's nearsighted and farsighted. Everything is all mixed up and jumbled. Like, yeah. they're intertwined in a way that I feel like can't be... Untwined, basically. Untertwined. Is that a real word? No. Why do I believe you? <laughs> it sounds like some old English stuff. But like, when did it start? How did we get here? Right, right. Oh, I got an idea. I got an idea. Okay, okay. So. <clears throat> Let's start at the very beginning. You didn't know that new Julie Andrews, did you? I, nope. What you know about Julie Andrews? No, but for real, like, I feel like we should use this episode to, like, dig really, really, really deep into the throwback ways that we used to use the internet and, okay. like, how we use the internet now, today, and how we're gonna use it in the future. Okay. And I think that later in the show, we should talk to Bridget Todd about this because mm. she's perfect for this conversation. Yeah. She's a digital activist, and she is host of the podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. And there, she chronicles the online experience of marginalized voices and talks about basically how we've been in this shit from the beginning. From the get-go. From Jump Street. I love her. Same. I want to invite someone too, though. Ooh, who? Okay, so I think we should talk to Naj Austin. Of course. You might know her because she built this fantastic space called Ethel's Club. Mm -hmm. It was this whole community. It was like a WeWork meets a social club. But then the pandemic hit, right? Mm. So she shifted her entire focus to online. So she's currently building this network called Somewhere Good. And it's billed as like a social network for us and by us. Um, Sign me up. I'm there. I will go any place called Somewhere Good, honestly. Same. Same. What a title. Right? It's probably not great, though, because now everybody knows how to kidnap us. You start a dungeon, you call it somewhere good, and we'll be there in five. We'll be there with bells on. Right. But before we go to somewhere good, I think that we should look back at it a little bit. Hey. <laughs> and we should talk about our old school throwback formative internet memories. Okay. But first, I have got to go and do a thing and then come right back. Like right now? Mind your business. Mind your business. (laughs) Wait. I'll be back. I'll be back. Uh, I would just like it to be known, I guess. Like, state this for the record. Tracy just left our recording session for this show. Whoa. Whoa. Tracy. First of all, my name is Ghost of Internet Past. Okay. I wish y'all could see her right now. She has on a wig that looks like Velma from Scooby-Doo. That's generous because... (laughs) 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 Giving you something that he could feel. To let them know this ghost is real. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I am the ghost of internet past. Ooh, my God. I am here to take you on a journey. Through the olden days of the internet. You are clearly Tracy with a wig on. Ghost of internet past. Okay? Okay. Uh, Are we doing like a Christmas carol now? Like the Charles Dickens book? Or the lesser known but equally important to the canon of Christmas literature, A Diva's Christmas Carol starring Vanessa Williams? Um, Shout out to that reference. But look, I done told y'all know how many times I am a ghost. Mm-hmm. I am out here trying to do my job and function and take you on a harrowing journey through the internet's past, present, and future, okay? Is that all right with you? Do I need a permission slip? Because I do not get paid enough to have to wade through your little drama and disbelief, okay? Ooh, oh, damn. Oh, okay. Okay, well, tell me, ghost. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Racist. That's racist. You what? can't say that. Wait, what? I can say it. You can't because y'all messed it up. It is now a pejorative. You and your little mortal friends lost the ability to say ghost after Nene read Latoya Jackson and at one show, what? The Apprentice that one time, you remember? Oh, while you what? sat there and looked like Casper no, 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 no. the when you, when you can okay, your let's be clear. Are you bring, are disappear, you ghost. See, you fucked it up, and now the proper term is person of spirit. Okay, okay. So, person of spirit. Mm-hmm. Do you have any memories, like, pre-internet? You know I do. Let me take you back. All oh, these are ghost noises. Oh. 
Uh, can't you just hear the dial-up tones right now? I can hear them so loudly. I remember this period of like fun with computers before the internet was around. I used to go to work with my mama sometimes and I always loved to go because there was a word processor there and she would let me play with it. Um, if you don't know what a word processor is, I was about it's... to ask. Oh my gosh, don't make me feel so old. I'm already a ghost, so I'm a thousand years old. It's like an electric typewriter, sort of. Just pushing the buttons. Mm. I felt like I was doing something important. And speaking of that line printer, I remember the very, very first computer that we had. It was this big IBM computer. They were not Macs back then. They were still IBM mm -hmm. with little Apple on it. And it was this big, white, clunky box. And the screen had two colors, black and, and green. green. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember it. that one. I remember uh, that one. I used to play solitaire, and I felt so grown. I was like, click, quack, quack, quack. I would also like, <laughs> I got my hands on a how to type notebook. Was it Mavis Beacon? It was not. Shout out to Mavis uh, Beacon. But shout out to Mavis Beacon. Right. This wasn't, this is before CD ROMs, Joshua. This was a oh book. My God. It was a book that was printed like long ways. Yes. And so like I would prop it up next to the computer screen and mm -hmm. like just type and do the drills. It was my favorite fucking thing in the world. Just so pure. What a different world. You have a first internet memory? Oh, wait, 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 sorry. <clears throat> Got a frog in my throat. Do you have a first internet memory? I remember we used to get mailed the internet in the form of like yes. AOL discs. I just remember being on AOL and you would get a certain amount of hours per month or something they would send you in the mail. And then you put the CD in. I would use up all my hours playing Carmen Sandiego. <gasps> Where in the world, world is Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> yeah. And I just remember it was so slow that you would like click something and then you would go and eat and then you would come back and it would be half loaded. Yes. And I remember this one time my my dad got me and my sister a Sony Vio for Christmas, which was like at the time it was that computer. Cutting edge. But he mm. was like afraid that we were going to break it, so he wouldn't let us take it out the box. And by the time we were able to take it out of the box, there was a new version of it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so seeing as how I am an actual ghost, in spite of what Josh will have you listeners believe, I have real powers. Uh -huh. I am going to use some of those powers to just, like, you know, kind of collect some stories from people all around the world. And I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> oh, I'm not getting paid enough for this. <laughs> But I want to know what they say when they hear the question, what is your first memory of the internet? Okay, let's do it. All right, please keep your hands and feet inside the carpet at all times. We don't have insurance, so if you get hurt, you're on your own. And honestly, I might fall off and grab my back as well. So. Damn. <laughs> we might be in this together. Okay. Woo, oh my gosh, go sounds. Flying <laughs> What is my first memory of the internet? We had a computer in the living room and you literally had to go and log on. My first memory of the internet is logging on to AOL with like a physical disc, a CD. You would get the sign-on sound. I had a crush on a guy in high school, and we would go over to his house to hang out. I, like, wanted to make out with him, but he would be on these message boards, like sci-fi message boards. I went straight for the chat rooms at the time I was 9 or 10, so you'd drop your age, sex, location, just kind of announcing, you know, I'm a child and this is where I live. My first internet memory is when I heard about Napster. The first song I downloaded was Sir Mix-a-Lot, Baby Got Back. Neopets, I think for a long period of time, from about 9 to 12, I was taking care of my digital pets. I was an early adopter of MySpace. I figured out how to do the HTML codes. I was doing it for like a lot of my friends. Going to my cousin's house in the summertime, because he was actually the only one in our whole family that had the internet. So it was like, eight of us going to his house and just like sleeping over there just to use the internet. It was total chaos. 
Yo, like in its early incarnation, the internet was so much fun. It was like so thrilling yeah. and so exciting and so new. Yeah, and like so much less toxic. <laughs> There's always been assholes on the internet. Like I remember being in AOL and internet chat rooms and stuff, and there would be people who would like hit one letter over and over again to make the screen scroll real fast so you couldn't like see anything. Proto trolling. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's where I first met the internet troll. Then you had this little like broke down section of the internet where people were making their own pages on Angel Fire and GeoCities. Oh my God, GeoCities. Yeah. Nothing worked. Everything <laughs> was broken. It was like fake gifts and like line art yes. and stuff. Yeah. So much scrolling text, like people's dimensions of the pictures were all wrong. All wrong. And it took like five minutes to load. But it was just like, wow, you got your own web page. I've got my own web page. I feel like the first web page that I ever set up myself was either like a live journal or a Zanga. Did you have those? With all these feelings inside, I, I had to put them somewhere. I'm talking about, yo. <laughs> I just can't believe that someone had the business model. You know what's missing from a journal? What? It's not public. <laughs> People need to be able to read this and then comment. Like, what? Nobody needed that. <laughs> no one needed that at all. But you know what, though? Mm-hmm. The more I think about it, the thing that really, really changed my life uh-huh. was BlackPlanet.com. You know what? Who have you ever heard say that before? I, I owe you? my life <laughs> to BlackPlanet.com. <laughs> it's true, though. Okay, so why did you love Black Planet so much, Tracy? Okay, well, first of all, I feel like we have to define what Black Planet was, when it was, when it was. But, like, this is, like, around, like, the dawn of, like, all these different tailored social networks. And at the time, I am a freshman in college at a super, super, super white school. There's literally 20 black people on campus. And this is how I found and connected with and talked to other black people and basically did not lose my entire shit. Mm. And I mean, like, the user interface was just, like, with the broken HTML codes, scrolling text Mm. for some reason. There was a guest book. He would be, hit up, hit my spot. Just came by to hit your spot. You know, like, do you remember what people were saying that? No. Um, I, I think Black Planet was a little bit before me. Um, bless you. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> but I did know a little fact about Black Planet. Oh, what? Did you know that the guy who invented Black Planet taught Oprah and Gail how to use the internet? I don't understand that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, how? Okay, okay. So in 1999, Omar Wasso, the founder of Black Planet, was a guest on the cultural institution that was the Oprah Winfrey Show. You got Oprah, you got Gail, and they're asking him all these burning questions about this newfangled phenomenon called the internet. What's a link? So a link is a hook em up. A hook em up that you get through through the click em. That's right, that you get through through the click em. I was so excited to read an email from the first lady. I had to fire off a message then I have to put a right away. Face in there. Here, Hillary. Can I call you Hillary? <laughs> <laughs> This is hilarious. I am surprised by how young he is. He looks like he's about 24, maybe, tops. Everyone looks like they're 24. Like, did you see Oprah and Gail with those fresh presses? Yes. (laughs) I've seen a stitch of new growth in them parts. I see you. I love the, like, rudimentary questions that all of us would find silly today. What is a link? Valid at the time, (laughs) you know? like. I, I would have known zero of all of that stuff. And see, in the beginning, I thought that only people like Oprah had their own email addresses. You know another really big moment, like, in internet history for me? What? I'm going to say some names, and I want you to tell me what they have in common. Oh, dear. Okay. Adele. Uh-huh. Sean Kingston. Uh. My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Taking Back Sunday. Soldier Boy. What do they all have in common? I'm going to take a guess here. Were they all discovered on MySpace? They were all popping on MySpace. They got it popping on MySpace. So my MySpace page, one day I was like, I'm going to revamp it, right? Like I couldn't do all the HTML coding and shit that everybody else was doing. Girl, I went to Coding University on MySpace. Look, the blinking text. I went to Coding University. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wasn't great at that. So I remember I typed up this really funny interview with myself to tell people Mm -hmm. about myself. Got mm-hmm. mad notes that way. Mad messages. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't need your scrolling text. I'm good oh like I am. God. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just remember the internal anxiety around moving people in your top eight. That's the worst. Uh. Oh, you know what else I think is the really big turning point in like the progression of the internet? It's not social media or anything. Mm, what? Law cats. 
What is lolcats? No. Oh my gosh. Let me see if I can explain it. So it was okay. just pictures of cats, right? Uh-huh. Oh, can I tell you about my favorite one? <laughs> yes, please. There's a cat and a birthday hat, right? Mm-hmm. And the cat is like sniffing at a birthday cake, right? Mm-hmm. And the first one says nom nom nom. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, that is what eating sounds like. Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Tracy, <laughs> I feel so seen. I did feel seen. <laughs> when did you first feel seen on the internet? <laughs> when a cat was eating a birthday cake? Nom. I know. I was just like, it's his birthday. Give him the cake. <laughs> I feel foolish right now. <laughs> no, it's like you have to be there. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it's so hard. Like, there's just like ephemeral nature to these memes. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of how I would explain Tay Zonday's Chocolate Rain to someone. Do you remember Chocolate Rain? Chocolate Rain. Some stay dry and others feel the pain. Oh, do I ever? Absolutely. Ugh. When I found out that that song was about racism. What? It's about racism. Swear to God. Hand to God. I feel like you lying. Chocolate Rain is about racism, Josh. I swear to gosh. I swear to Josh. Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, let's explicate it. Poem style, okay? Okay. We'll start at the beginning. First stanza, if you will. And I read. Ah! Chocolate rain. Some stay dry while others feel the pain. Chocolate rain. A baby born will die before the sin. Chocolate rain. The school books say it can't be here again. Chocolate rain. Ashe. 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 I mean, uh, he's clearly talking about how some people get caught in the chocolate rain. Black people and others can escape it. White folks, they don't have to deal with the chocolate rain, which is probably really messy if, like, it's raining chocolate and you just outside without an umbrella. I pulled up this lyric on Genius.com. See? I'm right. (laughs) Thank you. And so when he says chocolate rain, some stay dry and others feel the pain, do you know what it says? This refers to the mistreatment of black people throughout history. Sure the dry can be interpreted in several ways, either as more rich, well-off black people are able to escape the quote-unquote chocolate rain, here being interpretable as police brutality, urban decay, and poverty. Wait, what? Shit's deep, right? Black people who are quote-unquote wet by the chocolate mm. rain have to deal with the immense fear Layers. when confronted Layers. by the police. Even if they do everything right and cooperate with the police, they can still be shot, killed, or brutally beaten by the cops who feel quote-unquote threatened just because of the color of the civilian skin. I did not know! I feel like I owe Tezande an apology. You owe Tezande an apology. Everybody listening owes (laughs) Tezande an apology. This man was woke while y'all was snoozing, sleeping. I had no idea, my brother. See? Write him an email. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So see, maybe there is a way to explain the internet. I swear you gotta stop with this voice. (laughs) No, I will not. I was hired to do a job, I'm gonna do it. All right, so let's take another magical 
ghost trip around the world because remember I am a ghost with magical powers <laughs> and this time I want to see how people answer the question when was the last time you felt affirmed by the internet okay bet let's do it alright I'm gonna need a little something on the gas this time though wait I'm sorry I, I thought this was magic you got magic money <laughs> okay let's go <laughs> A time I felt affirmed by the internet. I can't really think of a time where I felt like I was affirmed by the internet. I don't know that I can say I've ever felt affirmed by the internet. A lot of who I am as a black woman, plus size, et cetera, et cetera. The praises aren't often sung for those groups. So I'll often see something on Instagram that I connect with from a writer or an artist that I really like. And I'll save those type of posts so that I can look at them again later when I need to see something comforting or inspiring or educational. I don't know, maybe good would be a better word. Just good about the internet was probably when I graduated with my doctorate and I posted a picture and everyone was like, oh, congratulations, hey doctor. I have been having the best time on TikTok. You know, it's nice to be able to see different versions of yourself out there in the world. It really reminds you just how much we all actually have in common. Josh, do you have an answer to this question? Like, was there a moment where you felt affirmed by the internet that stands out? Not in a long time, child. (laughs) I feel like there was this moment on Tumblr where everybody was, like, learning about, like, social justice, but also, like, looking at beautiful things and listening to music and, like, finding these little micro-communities. Like, that felt felt really dope. And I don't know if I've felt that on the internet since. That's a good answer. Ugh, I miss Tumblr. Just put the porn back, and then we can, uh, you know? Know your brand. Seriously, I had it made. <laughs> Dummies. When is the time that I felt affirmed on the internet? I think um, it was at the beginning of, like, the the season of Black Girl Magic, remember? Yeah. It's the only time I can say that I enjoyed posting pictures of myself because I knew, I knew that no matter what I looked like, no matter how ashy I was, no matter how lopsided my fro was, I see every you, black girl going off in the comments like, yes, kneecap, you better pop that, you better pop that pinky toe, girl, Ooh, yes. Buttons. Top button slightly, <laughs> slightly undone so you can see the necklace underneath. So I specific. see you stitches. <laughs> Denim fabric. <laughs> I miss it. I feel like it doesn't really happen anymore because everybody's sad. But yeah. <laughs> how <laughs> that true was that is was a big that? moment. Yeah, I think that like a really big part of that is just how central the internet has been to our lives, right? Like it used to be mm-hmm. this thing that was like an accessory, like it was a bag that went with your outfit, and now it is the outfit. Yeah, like, it used to be something that you could escape. And now it is our lives, especially within the last year. Yes, you have to go off the grid intentionally. Yeah, and so I guess that takes us to now, right? Like, how we're feeling about the internet right now. Mm. Oh, right now, like today. Okay, that's uh, that's my cue. My next shift is uh, uh, starting in a little bit, so look over there. Wait, where? Over that way. <laughs> over your Where shirt. are you going? The, I'm not, mind your business. Look over there. <laughs> I can't believe that thing that's there. Oh, you know what? Oh, <laughs> Can you believe it all? I I want you to know that just because <laughs> you change wigs, like Megan said, does not mean that you're a new person. You, you trying, trying to call, call Megan the Stallion a liar? So okay, th- no, no, I'm not. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, like I was saying, woo. I wish y'all could see this Miss Frizzle wig that. Uh, okay, Tracy first of all. <laughs> right now she looks like Tracy Ellis Noss. Wow. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. You better tip well after this My shift. ghost friends. My ghost friends. <laughs> I am quite clearly and evidently the ghost of internet present. And my hair is banging. You are <laughs> it is, It's cute. It's cute. It's cute. Thank you. It's actually a ponytail. It's not even a full wig. <laughs> Don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. Ooh, here we are in the present. Oh, man. Josh, I would love to hear some of your thoughts and feelings on the state of the internet today. Exhausted? 
depleting. Yeah. Anxiety provoking. Yes, yes. I agree with all of those things. It is anxiety producing, but like it's still also a part of my existence and my identity and my job. So it's like catch 22. I feel like that makes it worse. Yeah, it's not great, Bob. Not great. (laughs) So yeah, I'm really tired of the internet. And actually, I am so tired that I can't even tackle this part of the ghost tour by myself. So Mm -hmm. I called in some reinforcements. Like a personal assistant? Kind of, but only if the personal assistant is far more capable and qualified than the boss. Okay, okay. Yes, so in this scenario, the more qualified assistant is Bridget Todd, who is going to come through and help us unpack the state of the modern internet, and I'm so excited. Bridget is a digital activist, and she's the host of a podcast called There Are No Girls on the Internet, which is a brilliant title. The real kind of irony of where we are with the internet experience today is that Black folks, queer folks, sex workers, trans folks, we are the ones who really did invent the internet. And if we didn't invent it, we're the reasons why it's good, right? Back in the 19th century, computing was really associated with women. And so, so much so that like people described computing power as killer girls because it was so associated with like feminized labor. Okay, some things, right? First of all, is there anything that marginalized people did not invent or make better? The answer is no. The answer is no, you are correct. (laughs) Secondly, am I the only person who did not know that computers were even around in, like, the 1800s? No, I don't think I knew that either. Like, what? Oh, and thirdly, I did a Google search because I was like, is this true? And it is. And I found out about this white woman named Ada Lovelace, and she was, like, one of the world's first computer programmers way, way back in the 1830s. I at least knew that the first computers were black women, right? Like (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Hidden figures, hidden fences, if you understand that reference. (laughs) Get out. But either way, like, it started with black folks. It started with femmes. That's where all this computing power comes from. Mm -hmm. The internet and technology has actually never been a boys' club. And the fact that today we find ourselves trying to just take up space on the internet in technology that is often so hostile to us is completely at odds with how it actually started. I feel like these are the realest words I've heard today. Like... (laughs) Too real, possible. Too real. Dial down the real. <laughs> and I feel like now the internet just feels dark and unsafe and just gross. Yeah, that should be on the internet's resume. <laughs> <laughs> and Bridget spends a lot of time talking about these things. She brought up her favorite example right now to help us understand how operating online works differently for women and people of color. Okay. So there's this woman whose name might be familiar to you. Ifoma Uzoma. Ifoma Uzoma. And she was one of the first folks hired on Pinterest's (laughs) public policy team. I don't know the scientific word for multiple Pinterest. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fun fact, she's the reason why Pinterest no longer allows for plantations to be described as romantic venues for weddings. You know how they used to love to do that? Yes, yes. They don't anymore. Her and this amazing woman, Jade, at Color of Change, formed a partnership to make it so that wedding websites and Pinterest could not describe plantations as, like, a beautiful, charming location and not, you know, a torture site. Ooh, I bet the Blake Ladleys were pissed. The Blakes probably started an institution. They were they like, how a dare union. you take away my plantation? We're protesting. Where are we supposed to get married now? <laughs> 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 so, um, needless to say, love Ifoma. Love what she's about. Mm-hmm. She has this really great penchant for finding things that are happening that should not be happening, right? Mm-hmm. So when she gets hired at Pinterest, she noticed that some other things were off. Mm. One of the first things that she did when she was hired at Pinterest was saying, hey, there's a lot of really dangerous medical and health misinformation on Pinterest. On Pinterest, though? Like, on Pinterest? Like, I thought you go to Pinterest for gluten-free, keto-friendly chia seed pudding recipes (laughs) and, like, fairy light tutorials. Like, how is there medical and health misinformation there? That is where you go to, like, enrich and better your life and everything. So you think that Pinterest will be like, oh, thank you, we'll heed this immediately. Mm -hmm. But that would be too much like right. You would think that a a woman pre-COVID really designing a framework to crack down on health misinformation would be championed at Pinterest. But for this work that Black women and other underrepresented folks always do of making these spaces better and safer, she was actually 
deeply, deeply harassed by her own coworkers. And so people at Pinterest doxed her. They put her information on white supremacist websites. Eventually, she had to leave the company. Okay, so one thing I will never understand uh-huh. is why Black people and women always get in trouble for doing their job. Like, you hired always. You asked me to be here. How are you mad right. at me for doing the thing that you hired me to do? We can't win because if we don't do it, we get fired. Okay. It's just so messed up. And then on top of all this, even when we do the job and we get in trouble for it and then we have to leave the company, mm-hmm. turns out the work that we did made it better for everybody. When she left Pinterest, another woman, a white woman, sued Pinterest for gender discrimination and won. And the reason, and like, good for her, I'm glad that she won. But she was open about the fact that the reason why she won is because Ifoma Izoma had been so open about her experiences at the platform as well. And so this woman got a huge payout. Ifoma didn't get a dime. And, you know, it was one of those stories that's like, Black women, we are the ones who make tech safer, more inclusive, a better place to spend your time. And that work is often not thanked. It's often done for free. And we're often shat on for it. See, remember when I told you the internet was exhausting? Yeah. <laughs> like, I am tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing this TikTok where this girl was just like, I'm just tired of being perceived. <laughs> Yo, can I just exist without somebody's gaze? Exactly. That is so, so real. And then, like, even if you have a relatively easy time on the internet as a black woman, you still risk being, like, triggered by seeing somebody else who's been, like, really, really mistreated. Like, I remember when all of this Pinterest shit went down and I had to log off because Mm. I was just like, this mirrors not only my experience, but the experiences of so many people that I love. Like, I just just couldn't take it. I just couldn't handle it anymore. Bridget really thinks that this has a lot to do with why the internet just is not fun anymore. In the past, we weren't being perceived, as TikTok homisha said. Mm-hmm. We were just having fun. Back then, it used to be that, you know, the internet was where you went to feel anonymous. And the real world was, like, attached to your actual, maybe kind of boring identity. And now it's really flipped. If you have the privilege of logging off, the real world is where you go to be anonymous. The internet is where it's attached to your name, your employer is in your bio, all of that. And it also feels like something that I can't quit on, even though sometimes I want to. I mean, facts. True facts. I get it. I understand it. I receive it. (laughs) I don't want to, though, because then it's forcing me to be like, where does that leave us? The internet's just going to suck? Like, it's just going to be an awful place? I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It looks that way for a lot of us. Yeah. When the internet first started, there was this idea that there was going to be, like, this big, like, equalizing of the power Mm. among everybody and, like, voices for the voiceless Mm. and all that. But Bridget thinks that it was, in the words of Carly Red from Love & Hip Hop Hollywood, all a lie. It was all lies. I'm holding up an imaginary paper. We have never really let go of that vision that it was going to be this, like, liberatory, you know, democratic thing where all voices could be heard equally. I do not think it's possible on any platform that currently exists, to have all voices be heard equally. It's sad and sobering. Like, I would much rather be drunk when it comes to stuff like this because, (laughs) (laughs) especially for me, like, I started out with, like, a really great experience on social media, and I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. voices to the voiceless. And it is true, like, it was that. But, like, that's the bare minimum, you know? Like, we should have moved past that by now. Like, that's the bar, and the bar is... In hell. Very much in hell. I will say this, though. Hearing Bridget talk about whose voice is heard and whose voice isn't, it it gives me an idea. Ooh, if it's a good idea, then that means it is also my idea, too, because I, the ghost, took you on this journey. Wait, what if it's a bad idea? Oh, I don't know you. (laughs) Fine, we can share the idea after the break. Still a ghost. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest who celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts.
Okay, so back issue and we're back. Hey. Wait, Tracy, where'd you come from? <laughs> oh, you know, here, there, everywhere. It's me. You're not a ghost anymore? Do you see a wig? No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what did I miss though? So we just heard from Bridget and she was talking about how there's no places online where everyone's voice is heard equally within the internet as it exists right now, right? Uh-huh. Okay. That makes me think we should talk to someone who's trying to imagine a different internet. Like someone who's trying to revisit how we engage with the internet and focusing on our experience specifically online. Oh man, a new internet signed me the fuck up. So guess what? I talked to Naj Austin, who's currently building this online platform called Somewhere Good. Ooh. <laughs> Are you still a ghost? I think so. <laughs> it's just so hard to break character. You know, I'm so serious method, about my trade. Method. <laughs> <laughs> but she's building this social platform. It's called Somewhere Good, and it's by and for people of color. And she's gotten so much support. Gabrielle Union's an investor. Ooh, it's like she's looking everybody in the eye. It's her character, Isis, from Bring It On, and she's like gestures to the internet. I know you didn't think a white girl made that shit up. Right, and prior to that, she founded Ethel's Club, which was the social club meets co-working space in Brooklyn. Iconic, fantastic, we mm-hmm. stand. But with Somewhere Good, I wanted to ask her what the internet looks like for us, by us. So you already created Ethel's Club, and now you're working on Somewhere Good. Tell me all about it. Before I had anything, let's be clear, there was literally no Ethel's Club. There was maybe an Instagram page with like maybe six images on it. And I was on Twitter being like, I'm building a new kind of space for people of color, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be in Brooklyn, and I'll figure it out how to get there. And then Morgan Jerkins, a journalist, found me. Then one of our investors, Roxanne Gay, found me, and then another person found me. Then customers are like, I've been looking for this my whole life, reaffirming what I'm building. I said, can I get on the phone with you? Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I haven't built it yet, so this is the perfect time to chat. And it became this thing that is not mine, which is the, the wildest thing about a startup, which is if you build it the right way, it very quickly becomes everyone else's. Ethel's Club is not mine at all. Mm-hmm. You know, people have such ownership over it in a really beautiful way. I always had a vision that was much bigger than a physical space. I remember talking to one of my early investors and telling the story of how in five years we're going to have an Ethel's Club airline. Uh. And what does that airline look like as you're flying around in like black excellence? Like uh. what, is, what is that, right? Um, so for me, my mind is always trying to figure out how to center marginalized identities like Mm. how do I make this blacker like what's missing Mm -hmm. from this narrative the experience of having to shift could throw a lot of people off and you seem very very calm and very okay with it I wouldn't go that far I I I present okay uh because Mm -hmm. I have to like it it could have all gone wrong it could have been the worst digital experience ever and I would have been like well I thought it was a good idea you know I definitely planned on it being really Mm -hmm. great Mm -hmm. when we had the physical space that was my first version of taking all of that energy and all of those thoughts and manifesting it into something Mm -hmm. and so for us it was like Okay, just moving mediums. Like it wasn't Mm. even a big conversation for my team. Mm. And we're going to keep it moving. We know that the bar is so low for products and places and spaces that center people of color and black people. And we believe we are the best people to build it. When you think about somewhere good, Mm -hmm. can you tell me what you're envisioning? Like when you say that phrase out loud, what images pop into your head? The first word that comes to mind is reflection. Mm. As a Black woman navigating the internet, I often don't feel reflected. And I've just had to be okay with that because there has never been a true alternative. And so again, in that same vein of trying to poke at everything that exists now and ask, how can I make this more reflective of me and my identity? We're doing the same thing with social media. How do you make it where it's a kinder, more intentional place? How do you build real radical community into social media, a place that is known for hate, Mm. misinformation, Mm. doom scrolling? You know, no one's like, oh, I love social media. It fills me with joy. (laughs) Not in a long time. Exactly. And that's very funny you say that. When we did user research calls this summer, they hate all the platforms now, but they would always say, but back in the days of MySpace and Tumblr, when I could 
own what I was doing online and when I can sort of make this creative landscape of my own, you know, doing is when I felt the most powerful. And then that has slowly been taken from us over the last couple of years. And so Somewhere Good is a new social platform designed for the rest of us. And when we think about what new social looks like in terms of recognizing all the people that are forgotten on the other platforms, Mm -hmm. it looks like ownership. It looks like creation. It looks like actual authentic connection. All the things that are missing from the narrative now. So how do you plan to organize somewhere good to make it truly a place that's good for all of us? What's on the checklist? It's less of a checklist and more so a lot of feelings, a lot of conversations that manifested into what somewhere good eventually uh, became. When you're onboarded, it feels affirming from the very beginning. One of the things I was obsessed about was when you join an, any kind of platform these days and you're asked to upload a profile picture, it's you scrolling through your photos looking for like the best photo of you. Like, where's the lighting hitting? Exactly, right? You're like, wait, right. horizontal, vertical, wait, what's the theme? <laughs> like, it's a whole moment. Right. Like, that should be a, an affirming moment that... Thank you for selecting the best photo of you. We're so happy to have that beautiful, shining face. Like, it should feel that way in the product. We're going to get push notifications. Right? It's like, I you see cute. you, sis. Come you on with the cute. angles. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that would make my day better. I'm not going to lie. Right? Right? And yeah. so how do we optimize this so that a person who is walking through life and has never felt you know, very reflected in a lot of the places they're going, where they come to mm. this and they're like, wow, I didn't even know I was looking for a black sustainability group. (laughs) And now I found this amazing community and they're here in Brooklyn and they meet up safely in Prospect Park. We want to make it easy Mm. where we also have an approved list of black owned places in your city Mm. that you can go to where you'll feel Mm. safe. We have always thought about somewhere good as being additive towards the IRL experience. Mm. And so trying to make this like circular experience where you you know, black person I'm talking to Mm -hmm. is always centered and celebrated everywhere you go, every click you make, every relationship Mm -hmm. that you foster, whether it's online or offline. All of those moments can be magical for people because they are, because we've never had them. That's how low the bar is. What is your dream for black people in the digital space? I want everything. Um, No, I, I really want our own, like, internet like a place where we can all go to feel reflected in text to feel seen to have the things that we're thinking about either you know discussed or just written down in that way i think there's so much about our legacies and our ancestral backgrounds Mm -hmm. that are not easily findable and i think so much of going forth is looking back yeah but the biggest issue I've heard when I've talked to other Black folks about this is, where do I get, like, what, where is it? And I'm like, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I want Black people to feel safe in all of the ways that safe can present itself, whether it's walking into a Starbucks, um, whether it's being pulled over, whether it's simply existing in your bed. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what I'm chasing is that feeling of feeling like you can simply exist and that's okay and no one's going to try to take that away from you. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Of course. Thank you. patron saint of this podcast, Tyra Banks, taught us in the textbook that is America's Next Top Model. Trace, did we learn something from this? Um, you know what? I think we did. I don't know what I was expecting from this trip down memory lane. I was like, is it going to make me sad because those times are gone? Is it going to make me happy that those times are gone? Mm-hmm. But I think a thing that I'm learning in... My personal life as well is that, you know, it doesn't make any sense to try and recreate the past. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are trying to do that right now. Oh, because everybody's like, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. Well, you're going to be waiting for a while because 
normal is today, and that's it because everything keeps changing. Does that make sense? On this journey of discovery, On this journey of discovery, of finding you and finding me, finding you and finding me. That's, that's the only <laughs> words I know. We have to stop. <laughs> but yeah, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. I keep looking at the internet and being like, yo, I do not feel safe. (laughs) When was the last time that I felt safe? And I really don't think that it's a matter of going back to the last time that I felt safe, but like doing what Naj is doing in, in terms of using my imagination to create a new idea of what safety could look like given these parameters, you know? Right. And also what going outside is going to look like. Yeah, what you know? existing is going to look like. I just, I don't know. It brings up a lot of feelings for me, like a lot of them. And I found this video, actually, that I think expresses them really well. Did you just rickroll me? Is that what just happened to me? Are you kidding me right now in fucking 2021? Are you... You know what? I will go get that ghost and just be like, get his ass. Get... Joshua Jenkins. Go get him. Wow. Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. This show was created by Tracy Clayton. And Josh Quinn. Our senior producer is Josh Quinn and lead producer is Emmanuel Hapsis. Our senior editor is Leela Day. Our managing producer is John Asante. Our associate producers are Alexis Moore, Zandra Ellen, and Brianna Garrett. Our intern is Arlene Arevalo. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Zielinski. Our engineers are Raj Makija. He made a lot of the original bops you were bopping to in this episode. And Davey Sumner. This show also features bops from the musician Don Will. You can follow him at Don Will on the socials. You can follow me, Tracy, at Broken Poverty. And you can follow me, Josh, at Regarding Josh on all the socials. Subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. Also, leave a review. It really does help. Yeah, and some stars and stuff, too. And you can follow the ghosts of um, internet past and present at Bomb Ass Ghosts <laughs> on all the socials. <laughs> Okay, so in 1999, Omar Wasso, the founder of Black Planet, was a ghost on the... A ghost. Was... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it just tickled me. There's only one ghost in here, okay? Let me find out.